0: So we're talking about the testimony of Christmas this morning in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And here's what it says. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augusta decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. So as you probably know, As you probably understand, they all didn't, with us, a census comes in the mail, and we write it out and we send it back in. Well, they had to go for this census, all right? So a census was being taken, and they had to leave their home where they were and go back from where they came from. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Now, it is very important that we always remember in the Christmas story that Mary had not slept with a man. She was a virgin. Even here it says they were still engaged. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, she wrapped him in, Snug, s- wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, I want you to stop and think about this. Have you ever seen what an inn was like back then? Have you ever seen pictures of what an inn was like? Have you ever been? Have you ever been up to uh, up to Eureka Springs and went with the, to the Jerusalem experience up there? An inn was not like what we think about it. You know, when when we have a a play or something, it's always there's a door there, and there, you know, we think of you know two three stories and rooms and everything. That's not the way it was. An inn might have one or two doors that you went into, and it would just be a couple of couple of rooms that everybody slept in, not not just one or two people. So they wouldn't have had their own place, but th- there was no room. All the inns were were full. They they were packed out to capacity. And so we know that they had to go, and they had to uh, go into a, a, a very dark and wet and musty and smelly place, a place where the animals were. It, it, anybody been on a farm before? You ever been on a farm? You ever been in a, you know, you've ever been around cows, you've ever been around pigs, chickens, those kind of things. It don't smell good. It stinks, okay? It doesn't matter what, what you do about it. Now, in, in my opinion, pigs stink the worst, you know. Uh, chicken to the, the second, and I don't mind to smell like a cow, so you know it's not as bad. But, but they, but they stink, and, and they were they had to go to this place that was not sanitary. You know, today that we would, I think I said this a couple couple of weeks ago, we would be they would be accused of child abuse and, and child neglect for where this baby was born. At you know that is that is how bad of a place it was unkept of a place it was. So it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Can you think of being out in an open field, being out in an open field, and then the angel of the Lord appears to you, and the glory and the radiance of God's glory is surrounding him all around. Now, we know the feeling of the Holy Spirit, right? Now, here are these shepherds. These guys, you know, were they? they weren't Christians because they didn't know that. The Holy Spirit hadn't come, like on the day of Pentecost yet, so they didn't know that experience. This was overwhelming. What was gonna happen? Now, what we have to understand, though, is that during those times... They knew and understood a lot more about angels than we do today. So when an angel did appear like this, they were terrified because they knew the power that the angels could have. Remember when the death angel passed over, over that, that night right before they were released by Pharaoh? What did they do? They put blood over the doorpost and everything. Why? Because they understood they had to do this or they'd be killed. So so people of that day knew the power and authority that the lord had given to angels and then to have the glory of the lord surrounding them how terrifying would that be you know if if we all think that if if jesus showed up in this place that we'd be like oh jesus we love you no i think we would throw ourselves down on the floor we would throw ourselves down because of who he is and because the power that he has because he is god So they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, says, don't be afraid, because I'm not coming to kill you. You understand there's two reasons angels come. There's either telling you good news, or they're telling you bad news. You got that? They're telling you good news, or they're telling you bad news. They ain't coming to hang out with you, all right? It's gonna be one or the other. And so he says, don't be afraid. I haven't come to hurt you. I come to bring you some good news. I, this, is, this news is so good that it's going to bring joy for all people. This great joy for all people. So he's trying to put the shepherds at ease right now. And he says, that this is the Savior. This is, this is the news that the yes, the Messiah, the Lord, the one that everybody has been waiting for. Today he is born in the city of David in a town called Bethlehem. Isn't that exciting? Jesus, the Messiah, the one who's gonna take away the sins of the world, the one who is going to free us from sin has been born in the city of David. And here's, he says, you'll recognize him by this sign. You're gonna find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now, we always like to say this, put, your, put your, yourself in the shoes of the shepherds. If the shepherds had to go to the Hilton to see Jesus, it might have felt a little bit weird, right? Shepherds, listen, they hadn't taken a bath for a few days. They stunk. they have been around a fire. they have been around nasty, dirty sheep. They stunk. But they're being told, hey, go to a place that you know very well. You're going to go to this place. You're going to go to a place where the animals are. There's going to be a manger. You're going to find them there in a manger. Well, they don't have to worry about it. Knocking mud off their boots, they didn't have to worry about going and spritzing up. They're like, "Oh, wow, okay." Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God. Now, when we think of this, sometimes we'll see we'll see one angel, and then we'll see a few angels. But I want to say this to you: when the angels, the army. God's angels, when they came, the host of of heaven came. I believe it was as far as they could see. It was as far as they could see. Here's these shepherds looking. Oh, my goodness, look at them. And just like we say that all heaven rejoices when one person is saved, all of heaven was rejoicing that God, Jesus, the Son of God had come to earth and became a human. And they rejoiced in that. Amen, sister. And they said, glory to God in the highest on peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And I just wanna say this, I said this a couple weeks ago. Listen, the, the glory, the joy, the peace is for Christians. People don't get peace. I, there was in Australia there there was a uh, there there was a, a a singer or something I can't remember. But anyway, just this year, God was on the television and says, "I wish that at Christmas time that we didn't have to associate all this Christian stuff with it, because it's supposed to be about love." Uh, well. Bible says God is love. There's only one way to have love and it's with God, right? Can't have have Christmas without Christ. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called Christmas. I don't know what it'd be called. Party time? I don't know. You know, give gifts time? I mean, it wouldn't be called Christmas because Christ is in the name. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And they rushed off to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there the baby was lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child, and all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things to her in her heart and, th- and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, because and it, it was just as the angel had to- told them. Now, I wanted to give us the the story, the story of Christmas that we've we've all heard, but I think it's good to hear it every year. And I want us to understand what is the true testimony of Christmas? Because we get caught up in the gifts and we, we talk about Jesus being born, but what is the testimony? Because on this day, testimonies began. As a matter of fact, your testimony began on this day when Jesus was born. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, we're we're going to go through three testimonies this morning, and there are millions, but we're going to go through three. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Listen to this testimony.
1: You know, as you grow up, you think that as a Christian, bad things aren't gonna happen to you. 16 years ago, when we first got pregnant, and the journey started to get a bit complicated, and they told us that we probably were miscarrying, so I went in for an operation which ended up being a bit of a disaster and they created some damage when they were doing a procedure. And the doctor, after all of these complications, he said to us, listen, it's gonna be very difficult for you to ever have children. And if you do get pregnant again, it would be very difficult to carry full term. Coming home from the hospital, I remember walking into this empty, cold house with this sort of burden, really, of this diagnosis over my life. And the Holy Spirit just met me, you know, and it's that moment where he says, I love you. And now it's time to praise me. And in your spirit as you praise, there's a change in the way you see what's going on. And in that moment, you understand he's so faithful. And so we got pregnant again, and we had our first little scan, and I remember holding this little picture that my husband wrote underneath the evidence of things not seen, and this little heartbeat just beating away, and we went, there it is, that's our little promise. So every week was that journey of faith, every morning getting up and saying, we trust you, we believe you, God, you're faithful. It doesn't mean that you don't have the same feelings, but the Holy Spirit just reminds you of the beauty that's in his character. God is so secure and unmoving. We said to the doctor, we're believing for 36 weeks. And he said, I don't think it's possible. Well, we serve a God of the possible. And little Emily was born at 36 weeks. 18 months later, we got to 37 weeks with a little boy. That choice to just start to step into praise. To start to honor God no matter what you give it. It's not even about the miracle in the end, it's about Him and how much He loves us.
0: So, your testimony starts with Jesus, starts on that day that Jesus came, that Jesus came as a child, Jesus came as a human and became just like us and had the same. Uh, problems that we have. It had to go through the same things that we have to go through. When, when we heard this, the, what did they say? The evidence of things not seen. You know, today, as, as you're going into this Christmas season, there may be things that you're saying, I don't see them yet. But let me say this to you. Praise God in this season. Praise him and praise him in the testimony of this season. <laughs> For what he's going to do for you because he can do it and I know we can get worn down a lot of times especially going into the Christmas season we get worn down and we go it's so festive it's so joyful and so great but I'm not seeing that happen and just like this couple when they when they said we're going to get pregnant again and the doctor says but I don't think that that you're going to have any success at it. And they got pregnant, and they say, see this baby with the heart. They say, no, we have the opportunity now because we see it. We are seeing just a little bit of it. And what did they say? Not just 36. We believe for 36. The doctor says it's not possible. I don't see it. And they said, no, we believe it is possible. Went to 37 weeks and had a healthy child a healthy child. The testimony of Christmas, their testimony started over 2,000 years ago in a manger. That's where their testimony began. And that's where your testimony begins. And you have to praise God and rejoice God. Do you have children who are not with the Lord right now? Do you have relatives who are not serving God right now? And you're like, God, I'm just asking and I'm praying and I just don't see it. But begin to praise God and say, I praise you, God, because you're going to do this. I worship you, God, because you're going to do this. Because you sent your son so it would happen. And so I'm going to do it. And you said that if I ask, I will receive. And if I seek, I'll find. If I knock, the door's going to be open, and it's going to happen for me. Whatever it is I have been asking for, and people are saying, I just don't see it happening for you. I don't see it happening. It can happen. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, it says this, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. We heard this last story. Now I want you to hear this next testimony.
2: I remember when I was um, 15 and I just went to the doctors for a routine test and it revealed an abnormality in my blood levels. It showed that I had a condition called polycythemia with a JAK2 mutation, which is just a fancy way of saying that there's a part of my DNA that doesn't work like everyone else's. The doctor was really concerned that it would significantly decrease my life expectancy. They'd never really seen anyone live past 15 years, past diagnosis. My doctor had never encountered someone as young as I was diagnosed with this condition, because it's usually something that's found in old people and it put me at a really high chance of stroke and heart attack. You know, I had big dreams. I I wanted to do great things for God, but there was now this label on me. I really needed God to do a miracle. We tried heaps of different treatments. One of them was this drug trial where I would need to have daily injections that I give myself and that was terrifying in itself. I continued that trial and it was to no avail, which was incredibly frustrating because I knew that God could do it. This particular day I sat in the doctor's office, yet again she read me out these results that was, it's not getting better. Along the whole journey I never had a positive result, everything just progressively got worse and I just remember saying, God, come on. Came to church one Sunday, something within me just said, go forward for prayer after service. Met this girl who I didn't know, I just said, look, I need a miracle in my health. She just laid her hand on me and said this simple prayer and I felt something. The next morning I was going for a blood test, just a routine. I had blood tests every six weeks for 10 or so years and I remember walking in to get this blood test thinking this could be the last time. This could be the last time that I go, God, I feel like you've healed me. And then it came to this Thursday I was sitting at work at my desk and my phone rang and it was a number that I knew so well and I answered it and I said, hello, Dr. Susan. And she said these words that I'll never forget. She said, Esther, I think you've got the miracle that you're waiting for. She said, every level is perfect. I don't know what's happened, I can't explain it. Your iron, your platelets, your red, your white cells, they're perfect. I burst into tears, I put the phone down and I said to the person next to me, God's healed me. I've officially been discharged from my doctors, my specialist care, because continually my results are just perfect. They're unexplainable other than Jesus has healed me.
0: And that awesome? Praise God. And Jesus can heal you. The testimony of Christmas. Her testimony began over 2,000 years ago when Jesus came. You know, we, we always look at the salvation aspect of Christmas, and, and the salvation aspect of Christmas is the most important aspect. But there are so many more aspects of Christmas than just salvation, and when we go in, in, in through this Christmas season, and, we're, and you may be going through something, maybe you're going through a sickness in your own body this morning, and you're dealing with it. But praise God, Connie's at least hearing out of one ear now. Praise the Lord. But God's going to heal, restore her hearing all the way to both ears. The, the, what we have to understand is Jesus came and the testimony began then. See, the testimony didn't begin just on the cross. The testimony didn't begin just when he raised from the dead, but it had already began when he came. Do you realize how many people that he healed before he ever went to the cross, before he ever had stripes on his back? The testimony of Christmas was already in play. And and we can forget about this and we, we, we don't think about it and we go through this season and we forget that we have a testimony greater than just salvation but that we have a Jesus who loves us so much that when he came, he came to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we could ever ask or imagine when he came, he did that for us and the testimony of Christmas still rings true and still continues on, even here at Unlimited Church and even in your life today. Now, Psalms 147, three through five says this. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He counts the stars and calls them all by name. How great is our God. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. And as you listen to this third testimony of Christmas, I want you to think about what it just said, that he heals the brokenhearted. That he, he, that he names every star, which is, we don't know how many stars are out there. They just go on and on and on. He, If he does that, he knows who you are. And he wants your heart to be healed. Listen to this testimony. I think um,
3: most people hear about it, hear about the conference. And this was back when Planshagas well, was a conference over in Adelaide and our little youth group in Melbourne decided to drive over. And I was a 14-year-old boy on school holidays and I couldn't think of anything worse than going to a church conference in my school holidays. My sister went and a group of my friends went and they had an awesome time, they loved it. But on the way back from the conference, my sister was actually um, tragically killed in a car accident. And um, that sort of flipped my world upside down at the time. It was just me, her and my mom. We were living in a broken home but we were happy and we loved each other and we had we felt like we had everything. Then all of a sudden, one third of that just gets ripped out of your life. Going into my sister's room and just looking at all the photos on her wall, her room, exactly how she would left it a few days earlier for the conference, I just knelt in front of my sister's bed and I just said, where are you? It was really, honestly, probably my first real prayer because <laughs> it actually meant something in here, even though it was an angry prayer and an emotional prayer, it was real. She was my best friend and and I just really didn't know what the next step looked like. I didn't know what what going to school looked like the next day. And we started coming along to Planet Shakers because I just sort of wanted to see what she was experiencing before she left the world. I remember walking in and just being like, wow, this is church and this is awesome. And I sort of started to see, okay, God, why is it that people go to church? The youth pastor used to just pick us up on a Thursday after school and play mini golf with us and hang out and open up to us a bit about God. He prayed for me, and I was still real torn up, obviously, about everything that had gone on that year. And and I just felt this peace just come upon me, like peace that goes beyond all understanding. Nothing's changed, but everything's changed. This is why people come to church. It's not just about a song or what you do. It's about meeting with God, and that literally changed my life. And from that point, I continued on to do Boom Ministry, and have done that for the last 10 years. And. Through that, I followed the call of God in my life, and I'm now teaching at the same school I was back then. And now to be sharing my sister's testimony then to them and seeing them respond to Jesus is probably the greatest thing in the world. God turns all things for good for those who
0: love Him. All things. All things. The, the testimony of Christmas continues. The brokenhearted, and I don't know what anybody in here is going through, whether it's you or whether it's someone that you're close to. The great thing is when you have Jesus, you can you can give that Jesus to other people. And that brokenheartedness can be healed and can be loved on by us. But maybe it's you, maybe, maybe something in your life, and that is that that you had a brokenheartedness. But Jesus came, and the testimony of Christmas is that our broken heart is healed and can be healed. With this young man, he went in, and you know, I think it's okay to go in and be real with God sometimes and and be direct with him and say, why, God? What happened, God? Listen, this young lady was was at a a youth conference attending and, and loving on Jesus. Why, God? But through that, through that, That was his first real prayer, he said, that he could really remember praying, that he was real with God, and in that he came to salvation. And then he's went on into youth ministry, and he's went on to give the testimony of his sister, the testimony that began at Christmas over 2,000 years ago. This is the testimony of Christmas. And Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says it. And we know that God causes everything to work for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Everything for those who love God. Everything works for good. And I know in this season, some things don't seem to be working for good. But let me say, hang on. Because the testimony of Christmas started over 2,000 years ago in your life. It started for you, and I want you to hold on because you're going to continue to hold on, and you're going to start dragging some people with you into heaven. That's what's going to happen, okay, because they're going to see the testimony in your life, and they're going to say, something is different about this person. i got to know a little bit about them, and I don't care how how they get to heaven, but what I do want is when we get to heaven, I want us to turn around, and I want the Lord to say, turn around and look, and we're going to look behind us, and we're going to see all the people that we have have been dragging into heaven with us and we're going to look and we're going to say I didn't know if they were going to make it or not but I continue to believe and I know that God was going to do something in their life and now they're here and you're going to look back and you're going to see thousands of people who came because you said hey the testimony my testimony began at Christmas time and I want the testimony to begin for other people at Christmas time and it may be through me that they see Jesus and I may be the only Jesus that they ever get to know or that they ever Get to see, but when they see me and they see Jesus, they're gonna say, I want what she's got, I want what he's got, and I want that testimony to be in my life. That's what the baby means, that's what the baby in the manger means. Yes, is it? It's it's sweet, it's a sweet story for us, but it is a testimony. It is the testimony that you have. It's the testimony that I have this morning that Jesus came and became human that night, and the testimony of Christmas will live on for eternity. Do you get that? For eternity, it will live on. Remember, the host of heaven rejoiced that night when they saw God put into human flesh became incarnate, he was put into human flesh that night because they knew the testimony that was gonna come out of that night, praise God.